I think that a lot of people say that there's no shortcut to success. You hear that, like, I've even said that a few times, hey, there's no shortcut to success, you just have to do the work, right? But in reality, the shortcut to success is by finding somebody that has already done it so that you can do the work intentionally. Because what happens is, if it would take me 10 years or 20 years to become a millionaire, and I give you all of the tools and the right steps, you have to do the work, but maybe you can do it in five, because you're gonna learn the lessons that the mistakes that I have done so that you don't have to do them, so that you can execute the right way. That is a shortcut to success, is finding a mentor, finding a coach that will show you the way. Hey friends, welcome to the Color of Money podcast. I am your host, Julia Lachey. I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Emrick Peace. By now, y'all probably call him Unc, Uncle Emrick. And uh, we're missing Daniel Dixon today. And last week, y'all had a special treat. Bowman Keaty was on. Uh, and, and so there was a great conversation that took place there. This week, super excited to introduce you all to a friend of mine. I'm calling him a friend. I actually just met Diego this year. I don't know how. He's a really big deal. His name's Diego Corzo. And uh, I just, I, I'd like to say he is... Well, he's a sought-after Forbes-featured millennial entrepreneur. That's what it says on his website. But really, uh, Diego is a dreamer. He's a DACA recipient. He was invited to speak by Joe Biden. I, I keep telling people that he is listed as one of the most successful dreamers in the country. I believe that to be true. He's also an investor and a realtor right here in Austin, Texas. He has a team that he works with, and he... Um, started actually working in corporate America and soon discovered that he was obviously, like many of us, destined for more. After realizing that corporate America wasn't for him, he started in real estate. He's got a team here at Keller Williams in Austin, and he owns multiple properties. He is a real estate investor. He's got properties in Texas and in Florida. He's a speaker. He's a coach. Uh, and he is on a path to financial freedom and to inspire others. Um, especially millennials, um, to become financially free and reach their full potential. Diego, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here, and thank you for the great introduction. There's so much more to say about you, but I, I would be doing all the talking. Instead, can you tell the people who you are? Introduce yourself to us. Yes, yes. So I am um, So I'm 33 years old. I'm a realtor here in Austin, um, been with Keller Williams for the last uh, nine years. Uh, so since 2014, it's been amazing. We have a team of eight agents uh, led by my business partner and I, Victor Nino. And uh, we've, um, it's been an interesting uh, growth and transition being a realtor with Keller Williams uh, and then build, being able to build the team because we, we didn't start it until 2020 officially. And then now we're the number one team in our office. We sell around 200 to 250 homes a year, and it's, it's been incredible. So that's what I do for my active income, let's say. But for my passive income, one of the things that I do is um, I'm a real estate investor. So I bought my first property when I was 23 years old, and fast forward 10 years later, I have my um, a portfolio of over 60, 60 doors 
and uh, I've achieved financial independence when I was like 26, 27. But even though that sounds great, right, and I became a millionaire at 29 and everything, a lot of people think like, wow, Diego, you've achieved the American dream. But I am not American. I don't have a green card. I don't have a citizenship. I am undocumented. I am what Congress calls a dreamer and a DACA recipient, like what you mentioned in the introduction, uh, which basically means that I came as a kid to the United States when I was nine years old. And uh, at age 15, I finally, I hit an obstacle that it made me realize what it really meant to be undocumented. And that was when I went to get my my driver's license at the DMV. Uh, I had my first real obstacle there. And at that point, I knew that my life was going to be different than my friends. I put all of my emphasis into school, graduated high school, third in my class. And I began applying for colleges, for universities. In that process, too, I found out that I couldn't qualify for student loans or financial aid. So that was another obstacle. And I was like, crap, I've been doing everything that my teachers, my counselors, my family was, has told me, and now I'm hitting these obstacles. I had enough money to pay for college just for one year through some scholarships that I was able to win because some got denied. And, um, and then as I'm there, I found out, too, that I couldn't work legally in the United States. So now I'm 19 years old, cannot work, cannot drive, um, but I was able to find a way. That's one of the things that my parents always ingrained in me is like we're in the land of opportunity. We just have to work a little bit harder than others to find a way. And um, so I did. We began working as a contractor, riding my bike to and from locations of what I need, of what I need needed to do to be able mm -hmm. to make the money, um, to go there for the meetings and everything. I would ride my bike with a suit in my backpack in Florida with a sweat. Like it was hot. It was similar how it is as hot as here in Austin, Texas. And, uh, but it's more humid over there. So I would just be sweated with like, with, with a towel in my backpack, dry off, uh, put on my suit, walk through the front of the building and, um, Working as a contractor, that's how I was able to pay for college, doing websites and, uh, and small businesses. And then it wasn't until college, as I was graduating, that's when the Obama administration passes the DACA program that finally allows me to work and drive. And wow. that's when I interviewed with General Motors, and they gave me two choices. This is very important. They gave me, do you want to go to Detroit or Austin? And I told them, I don't like the snow. I don't know Austin, but I'm going to pick Austin. And uh, it, I was super lucky to make that choice because I didn't know that later Austin was going to be one of the hottest markets in the whole U.S. on the real estate side later when I began doing real estate. So that's a bit of, uh, of a nutshell of, um, of what I am, who I am, what I do. And yeah, that's the, that's a very powerful story. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank I'm like I'm like I'm I'm sitting on the edge of my seat saying okay, okay. <laughs> so now you you have me saying, well, what's my excuse then? <laughs> right. Well, you know what, and that's a and I think that's part of Diego's story is that right? the things that and the challenges that he's had to overcome. What a lot of people should be asking themselves, what's your excuse? You couldn't excuse? even get a driver's license, right? Mm -hmm. Um. And so I guess that's a. I mean, you start you shared some of your journey and how you have gotten to the point of, of what you called financial freedom or financial mm -hmm. independence. 
what does that term even mean? What does that mean when you say, you know, I'm financially independent or I'm, I'm, I'm financially free? Free, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So there's two different things, right? One of them is definitely um, what I call being a hundred percenter, which is some, which is a term that I got introduced back in 2014 by a mastermind group, and. Um, it basically means that 100% of your monthly expenses are covered by your passive income, basically by the okay. assets that you have. Uh, when 100% is covered, then you become financially free. Then, as I've gotten there, there's also another second part to it, that it's when you can say no to money opportunities because you know it's not going to serve you, even though it can be a lot of money. You just say no, and I think that's even the second step of achieving financial independence. When you're not dependent on the money or even the growth of money or the hunger of money, because at the end of the day, money doesn't give you happiness. It's just a tool. And if we can learn how to use this tool for the better, then we know that there's money that can drain us and there's money that charges us. So when you know how to make those choices, I feel like that's also another level of financial freedom. Wow. Uh, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. So when you when you start talking about this thing, how does how does that make you feel, right? Knowing that all the struggles that you've been through, where you are now, and you can use the term financially free, because that that has to be empowering, and it has to affect a lot of your decisions based on where you come from and where you are now, and then you can use the term financially free. What is that like? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, definitely rewarding once you get there from okay. a perspective that it's the delay gratification, especially okay. knowing it's, it's a freedom too of like knowing that what some of my friends would have said, Diego, why are you doing this 10 years ago, five years ago? That right. is well worth it because I'm on my own path. Right. I knew that I didn't want to work until age 65 and then retire on my 401k. I wanted to build a level of financial independence that, interestingly enough, I had set a goal uh, to have 10 properties by age 35 after I read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad when I was 21. Mm -hmm. And um, I achieved that sooner. But it's a freedom of, hey, what a lot of the people were questioning in the past I was able to do it just by sticking to my beliefs and sticking to my goals. So if somebody were listening to this and they were like, man, I want to be like Diego because because for reals, I want to be like Diego. <laughs> I want to be like Diego. But if you what what would you tell somebody um, is the starting point? A lot of people aspire to be that financially free that you speak of. Where mm -hmm. do they start? Where's the where's the foundation? Yes. Yes. So number one. OK. So this is really important. I believe that in order for you to achieve financial freedom or become a millionaire, first you have to become that person and then you get it. So I was super fortunate. I was blessed that I was able to get into a room where you had to be a millionaire to be part of this event of 12 entrepreneurs. And I was one of the only ones that wasn't. I was 23 years old. My net worth was $25,000. And, uh, but I was able to get into this room and uh, hearing everybody. And then they started to mentor me. I saw, I was like, holy crap. I'm reading their habits. Like I'm seeing what their habits are. I'm seeing all of this. 
if I just take action on that, it's just a matter of time, right? And I'm going to share those six keys that I learned. But basically, you have to first become that person. So I had become a millionaire once I met them. And I was like, holy crap, like this is, these are the six keys. I just need mm -hmm. time. So number one is managing your finances. You have to understand the money game. Understand how much money is coming in, how much money is coming out. Number two is scheduling personal development for your mindset. Because achieving financial independence, it's not easy. It's hard. Because you have to go against what your parents have thought, maybe like your money blueprint, right? You have to go away from the naysayers when they're like, why are you doing this? Oh, like you, you hit obstacles on, on the way to that journey and your mindset have to be strong enough. Number three is your peer group. I began to surround myself with people that are having, that have the same goals that I do or that already have what I had. Number four was accountability with goal setting. So goal setting with accountability. Number five is increasing my income through side hustles or just working harder or trying to or trying to hire other people so that I can work on dollar productive activities so that I can make more money. And number six, this is the final one, is investing for passive income, right? But a lot of people think that you just get money and put it for investing and that's not true. You need the first five because the journey is not easy. So uh, that's why if I give you a million dollars and you're not that person that knows how to manage a million dollars, you're going to lose it. You're either going to go into drugs or all, you're going to do all these bad habits because now you have money, but you don't know how to manage the money. And that's why, unfortunately, when people win the lottery, some die of suicide, overdose or whatever, because they just don't know how to manage it. Yeah. You said a lot. Wow. Those first of all, those were great six key steps and skills that people need. And I hope that everybody was taking notes. If you have to rewind and go back and <laughs> listen to it so you can write it down, make sure you do that. But you started by saying it was because you got into a room where some people mentored you. Um, and, and one of my questions for you was really what has the role of mentorship and coaching done for you and how other people um, can maybe find mentors to guide them. If they don't know anybody, you, you somehow, well, tell us the story of how did you end up in that room so maybe we can accidentally end up in a room like that? Or yes. how could we end up in a room like that to find a mentor or someone yeah. who can help guide people? Yes. So two things. Number one, I think that a lot of people say that there is no shortcut to success. You hear that, like, I've even said that a few times. Hey, there's no shortcut to success. You just have to do the work, right? But in reality, the shortcut to success is by finding somebody that has already done it so that you can do the work intentionally. Because what happens is if it would take me 10 years or 20 years to become a millionaire and I give you all of the tools and the right steps, you have to do the work, but maybe you can do it in five because you're going to learn the lessons that the mistakes that I have done so that you don't have to do them, so that you can execute the right way. So that is the secret to, that is a shortcut to success, is finding a mentor, finding a coach that will show you the way. So what happened was I was working in corporate America, I was working at General Motors, and I was always the kind of person that I just can't sit still, like, uh, like after work, 
I wouldn't be able to just go home and watch Netflix or watch TV. I had to do something productive. Maybe it's the way that I grew up, my parents ingrained in me, like work ethic and everything. So, um, and I just couldn't go to happy hours every day and talk to people like, like just on the, the, the different subjects that weren't serving me. So the, what I did is I began to listen to podcasts. One of them was by a guy named Pat Hyben, um, who uh, he actually was part of Keller Williams back in the day. He actually sold his company, got to seven levels and everything. And um, he interviewed a guy on his podcast named David Osborne, uh, who's the son of Alethea Osborne. And um, in that podcast, I began, like he talks about the mastermind and the power of connecting with like-minded people. So I follow him on Twitter. I follow Pat Hyben. And I reach out and I tell him, hey, I just joined Keller Williams. This is in 2014. I just joined Keller Williams. I'm doing it part-time. I have a big vision for my life. And uh, he responded. And then after every podcast that he did, I tweeted at him. And I, and I told him, this is what I learned. So after every podcast. And then in one of them, when he talks about the mastermind, I go on the website of his mastermind group called Go Abundance, and I reach out. I then schedule a call with another creator of Go Abundance, and he tells me, Diego, we're going to let you come to this event because we know your vision, like we know where this is going. Because I quoted Jim Rohn. I was like, look, I listened to Jim Rohn. You're the average of the five people you surround yourself with. I want to succeed. I just need the right peer group. So they let me in. But the problem was that he didn't tell everybody else that I wasn't a millionaire. So I go to the event and there's 12 guys at Osborne's house in Steamboat. I didn't know anybody there. So everybody's, when they're introducing themselves, they have to share what their net worth is, who connected them to the group, what do they do. And so at that point, David Osborne was worth like 40 million. Everybody's going around and they're like, hey, I'm worth 20 million, 10 million, 5 million, 1 million. And everybody had a connection, a name that they got connected. When it comes to me, I'm like, my name is Diego. I'm 23 years old. I work in IT. I just got my license and I found out about this on Twitter. So I was like that millennial, right? And you just <laughs> laughed and that was the exactly same reaction. They were like, who let this kid in? <laughs> and uh, But I played full out. And I told them, look, I'm not a millionaire, but I know that I'm going to be one. And so at the end of that weekend, I turned 24 years old at that event. And I told them, look, I have a feeling that my life will never be the same after this event. And they put me out to the side and they said, Diego, go abundance is for millionaires, but we want to help you. Would you be our first apprentice, our first mentee? Wow. And I'm like, heck yes. Right. And this goes about bringing value. I told them, look, I'm in IT. You have this group that they're older guys that don't know much about IT. And I'm the millennial that knows everything on like tech, websites, email campaigns, all of that stuff. So I was like, look, I'll help you guys. You mentor me and we're good. Two weeks later, I was flying on David Osborne's private plane. We were going to do a Spartan race and everything. My whole life changed after that. And ever since then, I've been a sponge and a fly on the wall just listening to conversations in the cars, when I'm in the cars with them, in the planes, at events. And then, so the six keys, for example, is not something that I saw on YouTube or I read in books. 
is after surrounding myself with millionaires for the last five years, I was like, okay, these are all of the keys that I've learned that made yeah. them successful. And then I became a millionaire back then is just that it didn't show up into my bank account until 2020. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, Dig, I'm sure people are probably listening to you like, man, where do I find more of this guy at? Where can I, where can I hear more about what he's talking about? Do you, do you coach people and do you have a podcast people can listen to? Yes, yes. So I do coach people. I, uh, I have a mastermind group called the FI Investors, the Financial Independent Investors, where we help you become a millionaire. We help you achieve financial independence, but with intention, right? Because the money is there. We can help you make that money, but are you living a life with intention? And that's yeah. what we're doing. Um, and then I have a podcast too, uh, called the Fine Investors Podcast, where we bring guests. And then uh, we also have a Financial Freedom Fridays. We call it FFF. So that's a podcast that I speak for about 15 minutes with my co-host, and we talk about a specific subject, things that I've learned through events that I go to and stuff like that. So um, it's really cool. It's really cool. And it gives me an opportunity to help others, to teach others, and to network. Because when you are connected with like-minded people, there is so much opportunity once you find out your unfair advantage. And in real estate, there are four different parts of your unfair advantage. It can be time, it can be money, your network, and your expertise, your knowledge on the market, right? So uh, if you can partner up with people that complement that, you're good to go. Like there's so much opportunity that you can do. And that's how I was able to scale my portfolio. But, uh, but yeah, that's what we do at the Fi Investors. And they can reach out like to um, me on Instagram at Real Diego Corzo uh, to learn more about that. Because it's, uh, I just had a retreat, my second re retreat with Fi Investors here in Austin. Uh, the first one was in Puerto Rico. I'm going to have another one in Puerto Rico next year. So it's a lot of fun. So you've talked about, your, your success in real estate investing. Can you give us some tips on, on that, on how people can get started in real estate investing? Yes. The main thing is understanding that you want to have the right strategy, right? You want, it all depends on the strategy once you know your goals. So you start by your goals first. Like if you tell me, okay, Diego, I want to make $10,000 a month in the next five years. How do I get to that? So then we break it down uh, based on what strategy, based on your goals, and based on your location. If you want to make $10,000 a month in passive income and you live in, like, and you're living in, um, in Austin, it's going to be hard because homes here in Austin don't cash flow, right? Uh, they might appreciate, but that's a different part of real estate, so I am a big believer in cash flow. Maybe it's the millennial in me that likes that financial freedom and like, like having that freedom um, because cash flow is what gives you freedom. Net worth does not. Like you cannot eat net worth, but you can eat the cash flow um, from the cash flow that you get, yeah, right? Yeah. The appreciation should be the cherry on top. So here's the one thing is we analyze what your goal is and then we walk back, then we walk backwards and give you the strategy. So there's multiple strategies. You can do short-term rentals through Airbnb. You can do mid-term rentals. You can do long-term investing. Uh, and then you can also do it in single family, like do quad, um, 
single like one house, duplex, triplex, or quadplex. And then of course you can do co-living, which is you can add extra rooms and then you put more people in the house. That's how you maximize the cash flow. Um, and then there's multifamily, right? So it all depends on the strategy. It all depends how much money you have in the market. Now, what's really important is you need to find out that you need to build your team. That's step number two is you need your investor-friendly realtor or the wholesaler that's going to be able to send you deals. You need the lending team and the right property management company so that unless you're going to be self-managing, right? But that team is super, super, super important so that you know what are the ways that one can be your boots on the ground, the knowledge, and then the other one can be the person that gives you the loans and all of that stuff. So that is one of the things. Now, if you're like, if you're young or looking to get started or in the beginning, one of the ways that I did it is by a strategy called house hacking. Because a lot of people think that they need 20% down to buy a property and you don't. You can buy a duplex with an FHA loan, three and a half percent down, live on one side and rent out the other. So, or you can buy a, um, a house putting 5% down conventional loan and you can live in the master bedroom while renting out the other rooms. That's what I did. That's what gave me the head start. I bought a home for 5% down in Austin, um, live in the master bedroom, rented out three rooms, and I was making $300 a month cash flow extra. So imagine, because I couldn't qualify for student loans or financial aid. Uh, I had to work my way through it. I didn't have any loans. I didn't have any debt that way. And uh, so I was living for free. I had my car payment paid by other people. That gave me a lot of freedom too. Mm -hmm. So then after that, I did it again. A lot of people think that you can do it once. You can do it once a year for four times, which is freaking amazing. Because then you can, what I did is I moved from one house to the next, but now I'm making $1,000 a month from house number one and I'm living for free in house number two. Then I did it again and again. And after that, when I began making more money as a realtor, then I just deployed that by living below my means. And that is really important too. When you talk about just the way that, that's exciting the way you, you explain that. And one of the questions was, um, as you're going through this process, mm -hmm. what's the most important financial metrics that you use to understand that you're progressing um, to the place that you want to get to? And then yes, yes. what those numbers look like? Yes, exactly. So this is the formula, right? Because a lot of people too think that before you can, like for you to quit your job or, or, uh, or achieve financial independence, you literally, people think that you need millions of dollars in the bank. Okay, you need, oh, I need $5 million in the bank and then I can quit my job or I can be financially free. And as I mentioned earlier, that is not true. If you follow the formula, this is one of the metrics that I use, is becoming a hundred percenter. So a hundred percenter means that if I have $5,000 a month in monthly expenses and, and I have $5,000 coming in every single month through my passive income after I paid the expenses of the properties or whatever, then you're a hundred percenter because a hundred percent of your monthly expenses are covered by your passive income. Now, you don't need a million dollars in the bank. You just need to have 5,000 a month coming in. Now, here's the key is that a lot of people can get overwhelmed by trying to get to a hundred percenter as quickly as possible. So what I recommend is like, look, let's see where you are today. 
and let's work on getting you to a 10 percenter or a 20 percenter. Because what happens is if you can buy one property, just for easy math, your monthly expenses are $5,000. You buy one property and now you're making $500 a month. Now you're a 10 percenter, right? Because you have 500 that's covering um, 10% of your monthly expenses that are 5,000. Now, if in year number one, you can get to 10% and in year number two, you can get to 20 or 25%, then now we're working closer, right? Like now we're getting closer to the 100%er where in year three, let's set a goal to get you to 40%. Year four, let's get you to 80 and year five to get you to 100, right? So those are the metrics that I use to know how far I am from achieving that level of financial independence that I want. Um, that's one of those metrics. I like that. And, and what, if you could just say that makes it so important because of what, what makes that so important using that metrics that way? Yes. It makes it important because you're tracking Okay. the, like what gets tracked gets measured, right? If you do not, if you're not aware of the goal that you have, so that's, that, that's why this is important is because you set that goal. And then after that, after you set that goal, then we can work backwards and help you create a plan, right? If you don't know that goal, if you don't know that metric of what you want to achieve, you're going to be working for the rest of your life because you don't know when, like, what is that metric that you wanted to hit, right? And then What's important too is once you get to that level, it's understanding, okay, what's next, right? Once you hit that goal, was it you want to stop working? Was it taking a sabbatical for three months? Is it, um, is it now taking care of your family? Is it now you want to build that business that you always wanted to build because now you have this passive income that makes that you can, that you don't have to work for money, right? So those are the key things. Diego, when you get to those different levels, right, and I would mm-hmm. imagine that at some point it gets a little scary and then you start worrying about the risk of what you're doing. How do you manage the risk, especially in real estate? Yeah, so the risk, of course, happens with you buying, like not over leveraging yourself. That is okay. one of those key things, right? If you are you have to manage the risk in a level that, let's say that the market goes down 10% or something happens. Number one, if you're raising money or if you're investing in other people's money, I always say, I was talking to somebody yesterday because I'm, I'm going to get to the point here soon that I'm going to start to raise some money to invest in other people's deals, okay. as like a mini fund or something. And I was telling this friend, I was like, hey, I'm not going to put money into something that I wouldn't get my mom's money and invest it, right? Okay. So anything that I do with the risk is like, would I risk my mom's money um, to do this kind of deal? If the market goes south, what are my exit strategies, right? So here's, here's a couple of things. When you buy a property and when you're investing, one of the things that I always tell people is like, what are your exit strategies on that home? If the market goes down, 10%, 20%, whatever, on the value of the home and you need to sell that house, how much will you net? And can you pay either that money back or pay your investors back if you raise capital? And, uh, and if not, at least will you be at zero where you're not going to lose money, but at least like 
you are not going to like, at least you can pay the bank back, right? Maybe you lost your down payment, whatever, but at least you can pay that back. So that becomes by having the right, not over leveraging yourself, right? That's really important. That's number one. Okay. Number two is you want to make sure that you have the right exit strategies when you buy a property. Like, do the numbers make sense if you put in a tenant for the long term? If it makes sense, maybe you're breaking even at that point, but if you but if there's other strategies that you can cash flow even more, like midterm rentals or short-term rentals, then you can do that to maximize cash flow. Uh, but you know that your downside of being able to get this rented long term, you will still be in good shape. So those are key things that I do to manage my risk. Okay, cool. I'll tell you what, Diego, you have been a wealth of information and knowledge. And I like the way you explain things and break it down. You make it so like here's step one, two, three. You make it very doable because for a yes. lot of people, this conversation is uh, very daunting. It's it's like, oh, you're talking about passive income and enough passive income to pay all my bills. I can, you know, the conversation seems so big, but you've bro you've broken it down into key steps and six steps and these items and do this right. first. And, uh, and it makes it very palatable. Before we close out, I'm, I'm curious because you, of course, have a podcast and you coach agents and mm -hmm. you have these masterminds and things. What would you say is the one thing that you spend your time? Well, it's about time. It's about how do you have the time for all of that and the time to sell 200 houses a year mm -hmm. and the time to, you know, still be with your family and do whatever you want to do. How do you manage your time to do all of these things and invest so much in other people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Number one, I love what I do. Um, so those are one of one of the things that I'm intentional with my time and doing the things that I love. Now, it wasn't always this way. Uh, there was a period that I would say like I grinded a lot until I would say 2021. I was oh. like working a lot, a lot, a lot. And then now I'm to the point of my life that I can, just like I, I was saying earlier, was like, what opportunities do I want to take on? Uh, because now I'm doing things that give me fulfillment, things that I'm passionate about. Now, I need to make sure that I'm also tracking my time the right way. So my calendar is the main thing for me. And the number two, I have learned how to hire other people to get them to do the task that, may, that I may not want to do. A great book that I read this year is called Buy Your Time Back by Dan Martell. It's an amazing, amazing book, and that has helped me a lot in understanding what are the tasks that I need to do that give me fulfillment and what are the tasks that I need to hire other people to do. That's great. Great. Uh, what's next for you, Diego? What is next for me? So... Uh, con I mean, I want to continue to build the Fi Investors community, the Fi Investors brand. One of my favorite parts, right? A lot of people identify with people's stories. And one of my favorite things with the Fi Investors is that 90% are minority, whether they are like first generation immigrants or DACA recipients, stuff like that. That's one of the cool things because it allows me to help people that Number one, they connect with my story, but number two is like it's breaking what other, what their other people's past may have put on them because now they know that they don't need to just like work just to work until they're 65, 
right? So continuing to build this brand, helping people become the first millionaire in their family, like that for like I was, I became the first person in my family to become a millionaire. And, uh, and that creates a different level of like what the Corzo legacy, what my family will look like, right? Yeah. Because if I didn't, it would be cool me working my nine to five and everything. But now I get to provide for my family in different ways and uh, leave the Corzo family a little bit different from that perspective. And the cool part is like, once you know how to do this, if your other family members are also growth minded, which fortunately with my family, they have been, my brother, for example, he's killing it. He's a wholesaler in Jacksonville. He's 27 years old and he's wholesale over a thousand deals already. Right. Wow. So you get the benefit tell of my brother to call me. I want to see what, he, what he's got. Yes. <laughs> yes. He is amazing. He's amazing. And uh, so stuff like that is what uh, is what I'm passionate about and what I'm going to continue to move forward is continuing to build a fine investors brand and leave a legacy. I love that. I like that. Oh my great. Any final questions for Diego? I, I don't I don't have a final question. What I what I can say is um, I'm inspired. And and you said something about changing the Corzo uh, legacy. And I have this thing that I say is that when you elevate yourself and that allows you to move to a different neighborhood. And then your children go to a different school. And then your children grow up and your children's children go to a different school. And then they grow up, then your children's children's children go to different schools. So just in the fact of elevating yourself and being able to provide a different life for your family, and it's a legacy that we don't even understand what the impact is going to be three or four generations later. And I wanna congratulate you on your vision. Uh, I'm inspired by you, and I too want to uh, meet your brother. <laughs> yes, <laughs> let's right. figure out what Florida is doing because uh, Maryland is is expensive, like like um, like Austin. So yeah, that might be a good thing. And I the mean, network there's grows. opportunity over there. And the yes. network grows. I love it. So thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. I'm inspired. Diego, what's the what's the one thing that you'd like to leave our listeners with today? I would like to let them know that all of this and all of the keys to success, the things that I shared about becoming that person that achieves financial freedom, all of that is there for you to take action on. But one thing that I haven't mentioned that is the most important one, that is the one that makes the difference, is to have a strong enough why. If you have a strong enough why, which for me is showing my parents that the sacrifice that they did to come to this country at age 33 or 32 and learn a new language, leave their whole family, leave their parents and everything to come here and start from scratch, I want to show them that it was worth it, right? And thankfully, uh, them being my why, it was crazy because so I bought my dream condo in Puerto Rico uh, this year. And, uh, and I was walking on the beach like two months ago and I was there with my parents and I told them, isn't it crazy? At age 32, 33, you guys were having that tough decision to leave your country, to start from scratch, learn a new language. You didn't know anybody. And at age 33, thanks to their sacrifice, I now have my dream condo that I can enjoy with them. 
right? That like that for me, I was like, holy crap, this is crazy. And it's because of their sacrifice. And I want to show them that everything that they did was worth it. That's awesome. And we have an episode on the big why with Corinne Bowman. People can go back and listen to your big why episode that you're speaking of. Diego, thank you for being here today. It has truly been a pleasure to hear from you. Yes, Julia Emmerich, thank you so much for your time. It was awesome. All right, everybody, signing off until next time. Thanks for joining us on the Color of Money podcast. Follow the Color of Money podcast today and get notified when new episodes are released weekly. Be part of this transformative listening experience.